Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. And there is a lot going on at the University of Cincinnati as we have uh, football bowl practice all week. Um, We've got signing day on Wednesday. We've got the Bearcats in UCLA Wednesday night, 9 o'clock tip-off. Basketball media tomorrow. Uh, Press conference for signing day on Wednesday. Media availability for football on Thursday, maybe again on Friday, basketball game on Saturday. It is one of those weeks as we get ready for the uh, the, the slow period right around the week of Christmas. Uh, and speaking of Christmas, Justin Berg, now's the time. You're running out of time. Go to 513shirts.com. Use the code 20OFF100, the number 20 OFF100 for 20% off orders over $100. And if you order by 3 p.m. Eastern on the 20th, you are guaranteed Christmas delivery. You have a little over two days left as we record this on Monday night, 3 o'clock on the 20th to guarantee Christmas delivery. What you'll do, go to 513shirts.com where it says partners, hit the drop down. You will see Bearcat Journal. And that's where you can get your Bearcat Journal gear for Christmas. we got the Red Helms merchandise. We've got the Bearcat Journal merchandise. We've got hats. We've got trucker hat. we got the FlexFit hat. we got winter hats. we got patches. we got T-shirts. we got hoodies. we got all kinds of good stuff from our friends at 513shirts.com. And if you order by 3 p.m. on the 20th, we guarantee Christmas delivery. I'm check out, right now. You check out the trucker hat? I'm looking at it right now for the first time ever. Okay. A lot of good stuff on there. I like the Red Helms. Yeah, uh, the Red Helms stuff hoodies. is sweet. Yeah, and uh, definitely that you got the logo sticker if you want to pop that on your laptop. It looks like 4 bucks. No, no no big cost there, but I like the trucker hat with the red and then it looks like like the ba- the netting is black in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. I'm going to have to get that. I've got Cut. that one. It's 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 quality. That's not the kind of hat that'll cover the bald spot, though, because with the netting in the back. But yeah, you, right. I mean that's the right. the the stretch mesh would cover the bald spot, but <laughs> uh, or the pom pom beanie. Uh, I've got the beanie in red. I like the beanie in black. Uh, but they've got a lot of great stuff at five one three shirts dot com. Uh, they, they've got some great uh, some some great Cincinnati branded stuff. I love the. Uh, I, I got to get one of these hoodies. The five one three hoodies. The five has got the the hat and the mustache for Mister Red. The one has got the 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 claws and the the red underline for the Bearcats. And then the three has got the Bengals orange and black. Uh, not really a Bengals guy. That oh, much. I was gonna say two for two, but then ended up two for three on that one. I mean, but it's 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 Cincinnati, so I, I mean, you know, it it fits. It's a really cool hoodie, actually. Um, big fan of that one. So, like I said, get to five one three shirts dot com. 20 off 100, the number 20 OFF 100, the number 100, for 20% off orders over $100. Order by 3 p.m. on, what's the 20th? Thursday? Order by 3 p.m. on Thursday, and you get Christmas delivery at guaranteed. All right, Berg, let's get into it. Unfortunately, uh, Cincinnati fought hard on the road against the top 25 team for about 30 minutes. But ultimately, Mississippi State was too much. And it just felt like, Justin, the entire night, they were hanging on by a thread. And right. finally, with you know about, about eight, 
there are about 12 minutes left, 10 minutes left. Uh, the, the thread broke, and Mississippi State was able to push the lead out to around eight, nine points. Cincinnati never could really answer. Um, ultimately, I, not surprised. Uh, I did think there was a chance they could pull it out if Mississippi State wasn't shooting the way that they had the past five games. Uh, law of averages, thinking they would come back to earth at some point in time. That point in time was not Saturday night in Starkville, Mississippi. Um, they were 12, what, 12 of 23? Yes, sir. Although the last one was bull. That was – Cincinnati had pretty much conceded, and you're going to fire another three in their face. I mean, that that didn't sit well with me, but – yeah, well, that was Lamar Peters, and maybe he was still pissed from last year when he was that's 0 for not, 11. Was yeah, that's not Cincinnati's fault. That's I your know, fault. I know. I'm just saying that. That's a punk move. That is punk. Definitely a punk. That, that, should get, that should come back to get him, karma-wise, and basketball karma gods. But it's too um, bad it will be later on when it yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, ultimately, though, I mean, Mississippi State just played better. I, I uh, That was my takeaway from it. I didn't I, – I, I didn't think Cincinnati played particularly well, and I thought Mississippi State played pretty dang well. They moved it. They got good looks. They were strong on the glass. They made Cincinnati pay for allowing second-chance opportunities. I thought Eric Holman in the second half especially, he he had seven offensive rebounds for the game. I remember at least three or four of them where he kicked it out to the perimeter for a three. Um, They just... Cincinnati didn't have their A game. They probably had their, I'd say, about a B-minus game. Yeah, uh, I, was, and, I was thinking and, that, C-plus, B-minus. And Mississippi State played pretty dang well, and the end result was not a blowout, but a comfortable victory for Mississippi State through those last you know five, six minutes of the second half. Yeah, and, and Holman, it wasn't his best offensive output. He only had seven points, only made two shots. But you mentioned the seven offensive boards. He also had four assists. Um, some of those were incredible, like where he would get in the post. Oh, that that wheel one across. Paint. Yeah, that bounce pass through, yeah. through everybody to the corner. I mean, that was an, I, that's high-level stuff. That's NBA stuff. He also had three blocks. So they protected the rim. Um, they, they won the rebounding battle. Pretty much everything that we figured that UC would need to do. And then, like you mentioned with the three-point shooting for Mississippi State, like whatever was supposed to happen for UC to have a chance, like just pretty much none of it did. But, you know, you look up and down the rosters of these teams, and, I mean, Mississippi State's got, um, at least if you judge it by the recruiting rankings, they have more talent. They also have more experience across the board. And they were at home. They shot over 50% from three. So it was a lot stacked against UC in this game. But being able to, to hang in, and there was there were there were points in the game where UC had some control um, in the first half, and then um, the first couple segments of the second half, when um, they switched to the two three and they dialed back the, the full court press, um, you know definitely had Mississippi State confused. They they weren't in any kind of a flow offensively, and UC chipped away at that lead, and eventually it was tied forty five all. Uh, from there. Everything went wrong. Yeah, the the Bulldogs scored seven, and then from there it was like, okay, I I was watching it, and my my wife stayed up and was watching it, and I was explaining to her, like, all right, the Bearcats need to stop here. They need to string some stops together. It was like, "Eh, okay, they didn't get a stop. All right, next time down, they got to get a stop. They got to get a stop. Nope, offensive rebound, foul, two-point. So they just – the defense 
Um, did the best it could against a, a hot shooting team with a lot of uh, talent, some NBA prospects, and was able to hang in, like I said, make it at 45-45, but down the stretch just could not get those stops. And when they did, like Mick said after the game, just couldn't get the rebound. And, um, you know, like, like you said, they played better. Mississippi probably – Mississippi State, that was – I think that was their A game, and and I, I was today I was watching uh, Ben Howland uh, his post game. Somebody posted it yesterday, and he was like, "Man, he was so pumped that they won that game." He was very complimentary of, of Cincinnati and Mick and everybody, and and especially um, Keith and Jaron. He said those two wings were incredible, but he just was he was very uh, appreciative of the fact that they could win that game, and and he he feel he's like that team's going to win a lot of games, probably twenty five plus. Um, you know, we had to play our best game to beat him and we did, you know, that was kind of the way he was talking, but he, I don't think he's been this happy with a win probably since he was back in Westwood. Um, so yeah, you know, like if they played this game three times down there, you see may get one, but I don't know. It, 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 um, that team's got a lot of firepower. They got a good bench. I mean, Reggie Perry, um, the, this McDonald's All American was a major factor, especially in the first well, half, and, th- and then Carter in the second half. I mean, they, they get two guys giving you twelve off the bench. You see, get seven total off the bench. I mean, there's a kind of the, the difference in the total points right there. I, I will say this is one of those rare occasions where UC comes out, and in the first segment, they get Mississippi State's starting center in foul trouble, and that was a terrible move. I know, right? It's a terrible move. Because he goes to the bench for the rest of the half. In comes Reggie Perry. And Reggie Perry is a thousand times better than Abdul Adel. <laughs> yeah. I, I will also say, Pat Adams stinks. Yeah. I, that was... The, the, I'll start with the Nazir Brooks call in the first half. Oh, God. Where, literally, the call was so bad... They went and watched the tape. It was a flagrant one on Mississippi State, but they called the foul on Nizier Brooks. Yeah, and then they couldn't take it away because yeah. that's not how the rule works. He's he's one of those guys, and I was talking to, to Dave about this a little bit earlier. He's one of those guys that if he hasn't blown his whistle in 90 seconds, he, he like he feels like he's not doing his job. Yeah. Because there were four or five calls. He's out of position. He's across the court. He's looking through three bodies, and he makes a call. There's a call on Ellie, on Ellie Elsa Semi, where all he did was box out. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't overly box out. He literally went into the guy, got in box out position, boxed out, and they called a foul on him. Pat Adams every time. It, it, like he's one of. There's like, I don't know, probably eight, ten officials that as soon as you see their name on one of your games. You know it's going to be a terribly officiated game, and and these guys keep getting quality games. It drives me absolutely insane. Like you see Pat Adams, you see Jamie Lucky, you know, it, it, it used to obviously be like Jim Burr and some of those guys, but they're still they're still far. T- if I know your name as an official, you stink. <laughs> yeah, that didn't that didn't help matters. It, that... it didn't cost you see the game, but right, and, and, and I'm not. Game. I'm not saying that by any stretch. I will yeah. say not having Trey and Nas for the entire second half severely limits the offense because right now Ellie is still not a scoring threat and Rashawn Fredericks is still trying to find himself offensively. So with those two off the floor, 
I, I know people were upset that they kept going to ISO at the top of the key with Cumberland and Keith. What other options did you have? Yeah, there weren't like, any. There, there weren't any. Like the, Mick was doing everything he could to try to grind out some points, and a, a lot of that is because you've got. And Trey didn't have a great game. Uh, it, he looked like he his his mid range game went flat, back to being a little flat uh, in this game, where he's had good arc on those shots uh, so far this season. Has knocked in a lot of them. Um, but Nas, I thought Nas played pretty well. He had what nine points, seven, eight, eight rebounds, eight boards, yeah. In in limited time because of foul trouble, um, Trey didn't really have it going. Kane uh, Broom is struggling pretty bad right now, and I, uh, all I'll say on that is, you never know what somebody's going through. And and you know, off the court, Kane's got some family stuff going on that I'm sure is is in his mind. Uh, it's nothing bad. It's a but. You know, you worry about people. You worry about the people you love, and I think that is is having an impact on Kane right now a little bit. But they need to get him going. Uh, you know, they're going to need his offense. Um, it, it's it's incredible. I don't think anybody, and we've talked about this before. I don't think anybody, even me, who's been the biggest Keith Williams guy on the planet, I don't think anybody saw this coming from him, where he's a consistent scorer in the the teens. Um. But you got to get, you got to, you know, especially in a game like that, we talk about having three guys. In a game like that, you got to have four. Yeah. And if you and, get nothing out of Kane or Justin at that position as far as points, you get four total. Yeah. And then you get five from Trayvon. That's nine. That's So that's three of your key guys giving you nine total where they had two different guys come off the bench and get them 12. Right. And so, you know, that did, like, again, they just, they had more weapons, they played better. And you tip your cap. You look at the film. There's a lot to look at. A lot of, a lot of mistakes that were uncharacteristic of the Bearcats in this game. The turnovers. I don't. I don't think there was a ton that were um, lackadaisical. But the, there were some killers. There was a couple, but like you can't go on the road and have more turnovers than assists. Right. Um, and, and expect you know you're not going to shoot a high percentage. You're going to give away possessions. And then to compound that, if you give up a bunch of second chance points to a team that's already nailing all the threes, right? I mean, it was like I don't know what else they could you could have done wrong. That being said, they still were able to keep punching back. Like Cumberland hit some huge shots. I, I, it was like in that in that second half when they were still kind of close, and um, I can't remember who hit the three for uh, for Mississippi State, but they put them up by four. Came right back, Cumberland nailed a three and was like, all right, you guys, were, you know, we're still in this. But it just ultimately there was just not enough there on, on the board. And, and when like Mick, Mick even said after the game, when it was 45-45, like they probably should have been ahead based yeah. on some other factors in the game. And when you and then promptly after that was when Cumberland threw that pass in the backcourt, got intercepted for two points. Um, Terrible you know, he, pass. You know, I mean, he had 21 points, um, but he had no assists and five turnovers. So that's tough. That's tough to, to overcome. I mean, that's a lot of possessions to give away. But but you got to give Mississippi State credit, too. I mean, they're not a shabby defensive team by any stretch. Like, they're in the top 25 in defense for a reason. Um, they've got quickness and length, and, and Howland can coach defense. And, um, you know, some of the turnovers were because it looked like something was there, and, and they closed on it. You know, a couple couple lobs, a couple other passes through, through traffic. Um so they get credit on that. Also, what they get credit for was against UC zone and against UC's um, matchup uh, when they 
they weren't forcing as many threes. They were really utilizing the shot fake to just get UC up in the air and then take one. All they needed was one dribble, and that would make somebody help. And it seemed like every time they did that, whoever helped, the guy they helped off of hit the three. And so there was just some undisciplined stuff from UC, like I said, and going for some shot fakes that um, you, know, you just can't do that out of that zone. But they, they, you know, they challenge everything. And, well, you and you know, have so, to against them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when they're hitting them like that, you, you, the the tendency is like I got, I got the best thing I can do is just block this. But it just opened up better looks for them. That was something that Howland was complimentary of his team about after like, he was impressed. You know, he was happy that they'd use that shot fake. Um, but yeah, you know, it all added up to seventy to fifty nine, and um, you know, we probably thought it was going to be a little closer than that, and it was for most of the game. But UC ran out of gas on the offensive end and just. They just could not get stops, and Mississippi State was determined, and they got it done. I think this is also something you see quite a bit, and it it could very much come into play again on Wednesday night, although I'm not – we'll get into that. But when UC plays these home-and-home series, especially when a team is returning everything like Mississippi State returned everything, the shock of playing – Cincinnati isn't as profound you know anytime you see a team that plays them for for the first time in non-conference what they talk about is these guys play really hard for 40 minutes and there's no let up well when you're ready for that when you've experienced it and they beat you convincingly the year before when you came to their place now all of a sudden you're not as um taken aback yeah yeah other, you know, your guys, your veteran guys know, hey, we better be on point tonight because they're coming for 40 minutes. And that is an advantage that UC generally has over opponents, uh, especially in the out-of-conference, that when you play them for the second time and especially you play them at their place with a team that returned everybody and added a five-star big man to everybody being there, they were ready for it. They weren't. It, it there was no hitting them in the mouth early in the game and setting the tone. Yeah, um, they knew what to expect, and that was that. That goes back to what the, their beat writer told me that before the game that they they were concerned that they would not be able to match UC's physical demeanor, and they definitely did that. So it, yeah, we, they didn't last year. We saw that, right? No, no, yeah, and then they, that was their first road game, and yeah, they they just and like you said, it was it was a, it was a shock to the system for them and they weren't able to, to recover and they got put it back on their heels where there was only a, a, a few short portions of this game where UC was able to put Mississippi state on its heels. And, um, and they answered yeah. with a big three every yeah, time. I know it just, it, I mean, if you, if you make 12 out of 23, that basically means like you're never going to miss more than two or three in a row. The whole, the whole and game. what seven out of 12 in the first half. And yeah. that's, that's the other big thing. Um, the way the defense is designed is designed you can shut down if, if this guy's a shooter you know they got one or two guys that are really good shooters you can you can stay at home on one of them they had six different guys make seven threes in the first half and that with the way that the help is designed with the way that, that they pass guys off with the communication that they use you can't account for everybody at, at all times and Mississippi State made the right pass made the smart pass the entire game they got the defense moving. They they got the help moving, and then they found the guy that was open, and that guy knocked down a shot. It wasn't it wasn't a case of like what they did against Clemson, where Lamar Peters just went bananas. Yeah, 
because then they could have said, you know, tag this guy, stay home on him, don't let him go crazy, and then shut down the rest of it. But instead, that defense got really stretched out in the first half because it comes from it was coming from every different guy that was on the floor. And that's a good point because if you look at, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about um, some of the losses that UC's had over the last you know, two, three, four years. And, and a lot of times it's because there's just, there's a lot of, a lot of threats on the floor to, to make shots. You look at UCLA, um, you can look back even at like St. Joe's had, you know, both big guys could shoot threes. Like it's just, it's, it's hard for them to cover everything. Um, they do a lot better when it's like, you know, one or two guys that, that on the top of the scouting report and they can, they can, I mean, look, Lamar Peters was three for eight from three. So they did a decent job on him, but everybody else was, let's see, nine for 15. So, I mean, yeah, you're just, you can't, you just can't guard that uh, with, with the way, like you said, like with the way the defense is designed and, and they tried two different defenses. So it wasn't like they just stuck with the same thing the whole time. And, um, you know, eventually they just, they made too many shots. It was like, you know, you can analyze it all you want, but the team that made more shots won the game. I mean, UC, UC made 19, they made 22, they made nine more threes. There you go. I don't think we need to spend a whole lot more time on that. I think everybody gets it. Uh, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of panic on the message board because I think most people understood they were going to have to play exceptionally well to win that game. And when they didn't play exceptionally well, the odds of winning that game went down significantly. And, I mean, it is what it is. This is this is still a young team. It is a team that is still looking for itself. Um it is a team that's still trying to find overall consistency in who they can count on from night to night. And, you know, they, they got some of what they needed. They didn't get all of what they needed. And uh, That's a good segue, What you, if you just rewind right there, a young team trying to find itself, because that's who UC's about to play on Wednesday night, UCLA. Yeah, before we get to that first, 9 o'clock tip on Wednesday night. So... As you're, uh, you're you're getting situated and settled, and you need that that extra boost to stay up for the game. Go ahead right now. Go to www.tracepontas.com, T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S, and get your coffee. They sell freshly roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans they ship has the roast date clearly printed on it, so you know your coffee is fresh. Berg, it has spread. What? It's, it's throughout my family. Uh-oh. So it started, uh, Trace Pountas so kindly, uh, due to our sponsorship, sends uh, coffee every two weeks to my house. And I'm not really a coffee drinker, but my wife is, and my stepmom is, and my mother-in-law, who just moved here uh, about three weeks ago, is also a big coffee drinker. And there is literally a fight between all of them on who gets the shipment every two weeks. Um, they all love it. And it, they, it's freshly roasted. It tastes great. Huge difference between coffee that's been freshly roasted versus even just a few weeks old. All the coffee you find in the grocery store and even gourmet food stores has been sitting there for weeks. Trace Poundtest offers a unique opportunity to drink coffee immediately after it has been roasted and shipped directly to your home. As soon as that thing shows up at the door... If if my wife's supply is is still ample, then the two mothers, the mother-in-law and the stepmother, are like, well, is that my turn? Do I get the coffee this time? You, you, you can throw that my way? It's like uh, 
It's like something else from Colombia is being shipped to my house or Brazil is being shipped to my house <laughs> because they're like, uh, is that for me? I know Kelly's Kelly's got some. She, she kept the last order. Would you let me get that one? And so, yeah, my, my two mothers, uh, fight over the trace pound house coffee. Like I said, go to www.tracepoundhouse.com, T R E S P O N T A S.com slash coffee. And put in your order. You can uh, have it set to send once uh, every week, every two weeks, every four weeks. That's your choice when you sign up for a coffee subscription. Enter Bearcats at checkout, and you get 20% off every bag of coffee with that subscription code. Plus, you'll also get free shipping. That's the deal. Get yourself some for Wednesday Wednesday night. I don't know if they can get it to you by Wednesday night, but you should already have some uh, from your previous order. And that because we've been we've been talking about them since the start of football season, so you know make that happen and uh, get yourself some Trace Poundhouse coffee and get it ready to go for some of these late night games. Nine o'clock on a Wednesday, Berg is rough, a little rough, especially especially us parents in the uh, the building, because actually I think yeah Wednesday is the last day of school for my little one, um, and she's not even little anymore. She she's Berg. She has found a uh, there's an app now. We we've we've prevented her from getting a phone because she's eight, right? Right. Eight, eight years old. You shouldn't have a phone, but she's got an an iPad and an iPod. She's found an app on her iPad and her iPod that turns her device into a phone. So as long as mm-hmm. you're connected to Wi-Fi, you can make phone calls and send text messages. She's too smart for you. Uh she called like well she thought she was getting around it she she called my dad and then my dad told me he realized that she's making phone calls and sending text messages now i was like what so i i researched i researched the app and as long as she's on wi-fi there's no charge for it so i guess i can't be too mad about it but you've got your hands full coming to kids growing up these days berg at 8 years old all i wanted to do was play wiffle ball and, and, like, this time of year, like, tag football, tackle football with my friends. That's all I wanted to do. Ride my bike. Yeah. And, and watch basketball. On, yeah, on, and watch, on the yeah, deuce. And watch, and watch basketball. Well, you know, that was after dark because it gets dark early in the winter. Right. You get home, there's basketball games on at 7 o'clock. You watch basketball. No, that's kids aren't about it these days. Uh, speaking of millennials. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Bearcats, Bruins, Wednesday night. Uh, of course, the Bruins lose at home to Belmont on Saturday. Uh, so they'll be coming to town looking for a win. They'll be coming to town looking to avenge uh, the beating that the Bearcats gave them in Pauley Pavilion around this time last year. Uh, not as much of a veteran team, though, as, as Mississippi State was. Still a lot of moving parts. Still a lot of pieces that they're trying to incorporate into the system they've got a potential star in chris wilkes although i don't know that he's played up to that five-star potential consistently yet um but it's definitely going to be a challenge uh for cincinnati they're going to have to bounce back they're going to have to come out and play well and if they do berg you go through this five-game stretch four and one i think you're pretty happy if you're mick cronin yeah i think that was the consensus before it began and like you talk about millennials, UCLA. So they have nine players in their rotation. Eight of those are underclassmen, and then they have one junior. All nine 
are four star or higher on the recruiting scale, which like you said before we started recording, it's not a surprise because UCLA is a giant brand name on the West Coast, so they just suck in. Although they've got kids from all over the country, they got a kid yeah, from Wilkes Miami, is from Indiana. York, yeah, Indiana. I mean, so they uh, they got a lot of talent, but it's very raw. There's really not a lot of if you watch them play, it's like there's just not a lot of cohesion, unity. Um, they they tend to if the game's not going their way, the body language isn't great. They they don't. They don't just start playing harder when they when it stops going their way. They like they sort of give up. It seems pout. like, yeah, pout. That's a good word for it. Uh, I was watching them against uh, North Carolina right after Thanksgiving, and they played a great first half. They were in control of that game, and then North Carolina started to, to mount a comeback in the second half. And then UCLA was like, "Oh, we don't want any part of this," and lost by sixteen after being ahead by double digits. So then they. Um, they beat Notre Dame on the, on the Chris Wilkes buzzer beater uh, Saturday the 8th. They have finals and everything all week, um, just like every team, most teams at least. Yeah. Come back come back on, on Saturday, figure, all right, we got Cincinnati and Ohio State next week. Let's just take care of Belmont and, and get ready for those games. And uh, they ended up losing 74-72 to 72 to Belmont. And what did not help the cause for the Bruins was 12 for 28 from the foul line. Ooh. Yeah, they're uh, they're sixty one percent as a team, which is uh, like fourteenth from the lowest in the country, and that's that. Um, so, gone from last year's team, the big guy Thomas Welsh, the seven footer, Aaron Holiday, also um, one of the best guards they've had in a while. Um, he's in the NBA. They're both in the NBA, actually. Yeah. And um, replacing them is. Uh, an old friend of Keith Williams, right? Moses Brown, seven foot one. Yeah, they played AAU together. Moses Brown played up, obviously. Uh, he had been a five star since he was like a sophomore in high school. Uh, played with Keith Williams on New Heights. Um, he's very talented, but <clears throat> he's a guy that doesn't exactly love physicality. He's thin, he's long. Great offensive rebounder. He's, what, second in the country at offensive rebounding rate? Yeah, third right now, but, yeah, he's right up there. Um, but you can you can get into him. He's going to be good. He's going to be active. Uh, I, think, I think inside Cincinnati can give him some problems. I don't think they've played a front line. Um, North Carolina is not typical North Carolina front line. Where, yeah, they got you Luke know, Mays in there, yeah. Yeah, but they don't have, like, the past couple years prior to this year, they've had, like, four or five guys that are, like... Kennedy six, Meeks. Yeah, 6'10 yeah. and long and physical, and they could throw a bunch of different guys at you. I don't know that he's seen a, a physicality like he's going to see, uh, especially from Nizir Brooks and Eliel Sasemi. Um, but he, he's a very talented kid, very talented kid. He's He's going to make a lot of money playing basketball in his life. Yeah, he's, he seems to be sort of a DeAndre Jordan type where he's not really looking to, to shoot jumpers. He's really just looking to catch it three feet and in and just put it right in there. Yeah, and um, not a good free throw shooter. He's 38%, so he fits right in with the rest of the team. Um, they don't – I mean, they're, they've been awful from the line. It's cost them. But, yeah, I mean, so so they, they take one seven-footer, bring another one in, but a completely different type of seven-footer. I mean – the exact opposite. Yeah. I mean, in every phase of anything. So, so they've got, if you remember last year that 
the two freshmen from last year, Jalen Hands and Chris Wilkes, they're sophomores now. Jalen Hands, the point guard, Chris Wilkes, 6'8", uh, sophomore, who has like the sweetest three-point stroke in the world, but just doesn't shoot that high of a percentage. And he, right now he's at about 32, although he did hit that game winner against Notre Dame. So um, if you look at that, if you look at those three, those are all projected first-round draft picks when they decide to come out. And then their starting lineup also includes Chris Smith, a 6'9 sophomore, who I was looking today, and it looks like he would be a first-round draft pick in the 2020 draft. He's like a 3 and D wing type of guy projecting to the NBA. So like, so starting five, the first four guys you look at, all NBA players, and then their, their veteran, their only upperclassman, Prince Ali, is also in the starting lineup, six foot four out of Miami, Florida. So um, a lot of talent, but like, I don't the fit it doesn't seem to be there. There's some guys that aren't great shooters that are shooting a lot of threes. It's um, and after the Belmont game, if you saw my tweet, I was I was watching Steve Alford's post gamer, and he was saying he's just he just he, they only had 12 assists. He's like, that's not us. I'm not happy with our half court offense. And now we get Cincinnati, who gives up about 12 points per game. <laughs> I thought that was that was a, that was a nice quip from him in the. Uh, and the post gamer, but like, I mean, you know, he, it's, it's a, the team is, it's like a lot of young guys that seem like they're out for their own. Um, Alfred doesn't seem like he has any idea how to corral them and how to, how to like bring them together and get them to play hard and play for each other. You know, you look at teams that are together and play together and play to win and play the, you know, like, like you see is it's, it's very contrasting styles with the fact that you see is like, you know, they're, they're, Talent-wise, it's not even close as far as the rankings go, but they're, they're so much more together. They play way harder. And um, UCLA just doesn't have that feel of, like, you know, roles being defined and, like, you know, playing for each other. And it's showed on the court. And the other contrast would be this team wants to play fast and UC wants to play slow. So it's just – it's going to be a very um, intriguing uh, 40 minutes as far as like you know which team is able to impose their will at, at which time and and uh the rebounding i think is gonna be a big factor as well yeah i mean i think you have to you have to smack them in the mouth um it like and the thing with alfred like his his fate might be sealed by the end of the week if if he goes and loses on the road to cincinnati and ohio state with as much talent as he's, as he's got, I mean, I don't know that they're going to fire him right away, but, but those wheels are going to start in motion if they can't win at least one, if not both of these games. And I, I don't know that it's likely they're going to win either. So we're going to find out if he has the pulse of this team or not. If they come out and play hard and, and maybe get a win or, or they're right there in it in the in, in the end, you know, maybe that starts to turn things around for them. But his seat has gotten warm a couple times already in Westwood. And, you know, you lose to Belmont at home. Then you go on the road to Cincinnati and Ohio State, two of the best defensive teams in the country, two of the best, like, in-game, you know, grind-you-out type coaches in the country against a team that wants to get up and down and play fast and, and be showtime. Yeah. Uh, you know, two teams – and what I mean by that, two teams that are really good taking away that Showtime style. And Lonzo Ball ain't walking through that door. Yeah. It, it, the, UC can force UCLA to 
have to work the ball around and have yeah. to, you know, they actually have to, to try to find shots and stuff. And they don't, but they don't want to do that. They, they take a lot of contested threes. One they pass, take a lot of shots. Yeah. Early in the, like, early yeah. in the possession. Yeah. And, and they, they can make up for it at times because they have some good offensive rebounders. Like you mentioned, Moses Brown for sure. And they're, they're, you know, they're in the upper like fifth in the country in that, in that offensive rebounding percentage. But, but they, it, they just, they want to, they want to run and gun. UC doesn't want them to. So yeah, it, it, but here's the here's the thing to watch though, because in the past however many years, I mean UCLA's defense has been very thin. They've they've been outside the top 100 quite a bit, especially that Lonzo Ball year that was a big problem for them. But this year they're better on defense. They're 53rd in the country in Ken Palm, and that's because their two point defense is 11th and their their block percentage is 23rd. So. Getting stuff in the paint, getting stuff at the rim is a lot harder when you trade out Thomas Welsh for Moses Brown. Thomas Welsh wanted no part of anything around the paint. And uh, Moses Brown is just going to plant himself in there and wait for anyone to, to come in there and just send it back. So um, physicality-wise, at least he is somebody that can block some shots and they have some length and size that can bother some stuff. So it could be tough for UC to score, even though UCLA is not known as a good defensive team. Yeah, I mean, they're not terrible defensively, and they, they've they never been great, but they've never been, you know, really bad either. They're they're average. UCLA? Now, yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they, well, they, yeah. That, that's just a, kind of been my take, like, the way I've seen them. Like, they've never been... It's never been like they're really, really bad defensively, but you've never really thought of them as like a, a defense first program. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They've been able to, yeah, they've been able to offset a lot of it with with high powered offenses, but they their average ranking the last three seasons before this was right around 100. It's a little higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, it was it was 118, 85, and 103. So, but they were also they were number two in offense one of those times. So, I, I guess like you look at this year's look at this Bruins team like they they just what is their identity because it's right they're not like a defensive stalwart and offensively they're not playing up to their standards they're not getting many assists um and they're not shooting the ball well at all I mean they're very average on their shooting numbers so they just they're just a bunch of talented guys that are they're not a team they're like just but sometimes you know talent can you know individually if you put enough of it on the floor it, it can be enough so right that's this is kind of like the ultimate test case for that on on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean Cincinnati's going to have to play well. You're you're not getting out of this one with a win, playing your C plus game. Much like you weren't going to get out of the game against Mississippi State with your C plus game with the win. You know you're you're going to have to play pretty well. And to date, I mean you know. Nine games, they've played pretty well. Two games, they haven't. Unfortunately, those two games were against, you know, the, the probably the best teams that they're going to face this year. But as we've seen before, I just think their physicality is going to give UCLA fits. I thought it did last year. I thought you got to about the midway point in the first half in that game, and UCLA just kind of looked like, I don't know about this. Yeah, and also – if it if it does become a possession to possession game, like how long can they keep their focus? They're just they're young. They're not. They haven't been in a game like this yet where they've had to 
grind out possessions. Like they like they may be able to hang in for you know a portion of the game, but like how long can they really keep the focus to to be able to continue to do it time after time after time? No, I agree. It's definitely going to be interesting. Um, need they need this one, Berg? I, I don't think you can come out and this is probably going to be, would you say the third best team they'll play in the out of conference or would, would you maybe have Ole Miss in front of them? I don't think no, I'd have, I I don't think I'd have Xavier in front of them. I wouldn't have Ole Miss in front of them. I think they're probably, I think they're probably equal with Xavier. I know they have more talent, but I don't know. I, from what I've seen from them, I'm not too impressed. So it, it'd be close, but either way. Yeah. I think you just looking ahead, looking at the big picture, I mean, this is a this is a must-have. You're at home. You're favored. You've already lost one game when you were at home and favored. You're not going to get many opportunities the rest of the way to really prove anything of any significance. So, right. not that UCLA, not that beating UCLA is like an a, a, you know as good of a win as it normally is. But if if you don't get it, then your your you know quote unquote quality wins. You won't have that in your bank. You go into conference play and. There's like three teams, maybe four, that can be considered can be considered a quality win, and then the rest of them are just well. Actually, I don't know. Tulsa's kind of sneak up, sneaking up in there with some of their non-conference uh, wins that they've had, but but really, there's just like you know three, four, five teams where. Well, I mean, you there's know, you can af- yeah. There's ten teams in the conference that are at 150 or better in the net rankings. Right, but I'm saying like it's not going to be a I'm not going to move the meter. It's going to be more like holding serve right. against a lot of the teams. So there's only going to be a, like a handful at most of teams where if you beat them on the road, like, okay, that's a good win. If you beat them at home, it's okay. Houston's probably the only team that beating them at home is actually a, a you know, a real win. Um, some of the other teams may move up to that part, that, that, that level. But for the most part, it's like, you're going to have to prove something on the road and you're going to have to avoid the catastrophic losses. Cause you just, you're not going to have a whole lot to offset a bad loss. Yeah. At least so far they don't. So it's it's kind of you need it. You need it. Now both teams need it a lot. Yeah. I mean cuz UCLA is going nowhere. They got, you know, they haven't beaten anybody. They have a home loss to Belmont on their red. I mean, so they are they are uh, in desperate need and it's it'll be interesting to see if the, how desperate they play and how how much uh uh Alfred can get them to to bring it. Because he, he's either lost them and they don't care and they know he's going to be gone and they're just worried about their NBA careers or they're going to have some pride and say, like, you know, we're going to come out there and, and fight and scrap for this one. Yep. Nine o'clock Wednesday, we will find out. Let's hope it goes better than Saturday. That's all. Maybe they like playing at nine better than they like playing at 830. <laughs> yeah, they don't like that central time zone. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Did they get there. When did they get to, to, to Starkville? Do you remember? Uh, the day before. I mean, it's always okay. almost always the day before. All right. Yeah. Maybe they had some sort of barbecue that night and it didn't sit well. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you never know. Um, who, who you got? You going? You going with the Bearcats? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they'll bounce back. I, I, they're coming home after a loss. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if you, if UCLA makes it tough on them to score and they make enough shots. But yeah, I'll I'll pick Cincinnati. There you go. Now I'm getting it out of you. It's I got to prod you on time at times on these picks, so you were ready for this one. That's good to hear. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Cincinnati too. I think seven eight point victory. 
what's the spread? Do you know yet? Well, I, I'm thinking around five. I mean, I usually okay. go by what Ken Palm says, and it'll depending on who bets on what, you know how many people bet on either oh, yeah. side. It'll it'll fluctuate, but I think it's somewhere in that five five and a half. Um, and then also something to watch. Chris Wilkes um, had a lot of cramping issues against Notre Dame. He did make a game winning shot with a on one leg, but um, so who knows about his you know what what that if that's a recurring thing or not. But either way. It'll be uh, two teams that need to win very, very badly, battling it out. First time ever a UCLA men's basketball team has set foot in Clifton. The friendly confines of Fifth Third Arena. The newly renovated. It's nice, and they'll feel at home. It's it's kind of swanky. I feel like they're somewhere in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, you got anything else for us this week? Nah, we'll see you at the arena. I will be there. We'll see you at the arena as well. He's Justin Berg. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you Thursday. I, I, I'm going to try on Wednesday. I'm, I'm going to have some time uh, after the press conference. I'm going to see if I can maybe pop in with a couple football assistants and get their thoughts. So there might be a, a special edition podcast uh, of that type of content on Wednesday if I can organize it. Um, if not, then me and Dave, Shane, uh, and working on trying to get maybe Bill Green, we'll be doing a signing day podcast, uh, on Thursday, uh, after everything settles. So that's the plan for the week. Another busy week here at Bearcat Journal. Thanks for everybody for being a part. He's Justin Berg. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. And there is a lot going on.